Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you are encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from Pastor Kevin Miller. All I want for Christmas is summed up in the title of a well-known Christmas carol, Silent Night. That's all I want. That's all I want for Christmas. Come on, parents. Can you relate to this? That's all I want. I feel like it's a very simple request. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, reminds me that the songwriter was never in the room for childbirth. In fact, I found out that he's a Roman Catholic priest that was never married, which makes even more sense (laughs) about why he wrote a song about silent night about the first Christmas. Because the first Christmas that he wrote this song about is f- was far from silent and calm. This happened the first Christmas over 2,000 years ago in the, in the city of Bethlehem, crawling with people so filled that Mary and Joseph couldn't find a place to stay, gave birth in a, in a cave surrounded by animals, pre-epidural, by the way, so like... That should also speak to the lack of silence and calmness in, uh, in their day. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's easy for us to long for those moments. And there's nothing wrong with longing for some, some just quietness and some stillness. But, you know, I, I know also we, we have big hopes for 2021. But let's be honest, we had big hopes for 2020 too, right? It's supposed to be the year of clear vision. And then all year, it's like, where did that come from? I didn't see that coming. So the reality is, and I hope one thing we're learning throughout this year, is that life will just always be filled with chaos. Until we get to heaven, there's just going to be something always. And, and so we just have to kind of embrace it and make the most of it, whether it's COVID or a car crash or crime or a cancer diagnosis, or fill-in-the-blank, chaos is part of the human existence. And so what I want to share with you today is just a real simple reality that there are many times where you're going to want to change your circumstances, and you can't. But you can always change your perspective on your circumstances. I want to share a message with you, part two of this Christmas series, The Missing Piece. I'm calling this message, would you write it down, you need a new lens. I need a new lens. What I found, what I'm learning is that when we reshape our perspective on life circumstances, it reshapes our experience with life's circumstances. And I often can't take away the things that I don't want, but I can learn to look at them a new way. And so I'm going to take you, if you brought a Bible, to Luke chapter 2, to the original Christmas story. The quintessential, like even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard this part of the Christmas story. 
There's going to be things that I read here in just a moment that you're going to, without, you didn't even know you memorized it, but it's just going to come to your mind. You've heard it so many times. And I hope today, along with the theme of this message, that we could even look at this text from a new perspective and see some things that can speak to us in the chaos of our own lives. Luke chapter 2 is where we are. We're going to start in the first seven verses. Luke writes, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all in the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And if you're wondering why the details and the names and the places, I think it's important to point out that these are anchor historical places and figures that remind us that this is not just like the the Bible version of the night before Christmas and a fun story to tell on Christmas morning, but these are real people and real places and a real historic time that took place. And you can research them. Verse 3, all went up to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. And he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I want to share three thoughts with you today from this text. And let's start here. Write this down. Since you can't see the whole scene, learn to trust God behind the scenes. When you can't see everything, which, by the way, is always, okay, as much as we think we've got a pretty good idea of the the details happening in and around us, we see a fraction of what's going on. And so when you can't see the whole thing, we have to learn to trust that God is working behind the scenes in ways and in places and in people and in strategies that we don't see. And that's the story right here. In fact, if you were with us last Sunday, Pastor Nate started the series um, in Matthew chapter 1, when Mary and Joseph got the life-altering news that there had been conception outside of wedlock. An angel appeared to Mary, you're going to conceive and bear God's son. She went and told Joseph. Joseph was ready to leave her and be done with this relationship. God showed up to him. An angel in his dream spoke to him and said, this is, this is my son, and his name is Jesus, and he's the Savior. And so they pushed forward with this chaotic scene that was now their lives. That was Matthew chapter 1. Today we're in Luke chapter 2, and the chaos continues. A government census, having to leave your job and your house and, and, and your family and go to where you were born. That's the idea that gets them to Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus, and this is when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And, and, and all of this stuff is happening. And so they had to make an 80-mile journey on donkey while Mary's pregnant. So if you want some perspective, enjoy your car with the heater on your way to lunch, and remember that Mary had to ride a donkey the length of Clarksville to Murfreesboro while she was pregnant. And so we can say, thank God that you were not called to be Mary, right? Like the chaos of that. And then they get there, 
and it's chaos in Bethlehem because all of the people who were originally from there came back and they brought all their kids and their families and it's chaos. And they get to the, 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 the inn and they can't find Joseph's online reservation from booking.com and it, the, the whole thing fell through and the valet's not working and it's, it was just a chaotic scene. And so they had to find a place, and the only place they could find was this cave. And then the, the time came for her to give birth, and so she gave birth. Her delivery room was, was a place surrounded by animals, and his cradle was a cleaned-out uh, animal feeding trough where they just wrapped him up and put him in there. And, I mean, it was just chaos. If the news wasn't hard enough that they were going to have a baby outside of wedlock. And if all of this wasn't crazy enough, you know, here's the challenge with life. When life gets chaotic, it's very easy because you're so in it. You're so inundated by all the details. It's easy to just get so consumed with what is just right in front of you that you miss the zoom out bigger picture. You get so consumed with the scene that you can forget that God's behind the scenes. He's still working. He's got something. So, I mean, I could walk you through a dozen things. I'll give you a few examples from the Christmas story. It's a big deal, by the way, that Mary, the virgin, conceived because that fulfilled a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah over 700 years prior, Isaiah 7, verse 14, that the virgin would give birth to the Messiah. This had to happen. This, this in many ways, was earth-shattering to Mary and Joseph, and yet it was a fulfillment of God's behind-the-scene plans. Or, or, or the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I mean, this, this very uncomfortable decree went out from Caesar Augustus, and they had to leave and take this long journey and get to Bethlehem. But it was God using a, a, a godless leader, a tyrant of a leader, a, a greedy leader, who wanted to just tax his people, God is able to use even those people as his servants to arrange the pieces. And when you can't see the scene, God's still working behind the scenes because Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem to fulfill a prophecy another prophet had said, Micah chapter 5 verse 2, that Bethlehem, Ephrathah, this is where the Savior would be born. And it's kind of significant that Jesus, the bread of life, was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. It's kind of significant that the Lamb of God was given birth to outside, uh, outside the city of Bethlehem. There were shepherds on the field. And these were the temple shepherds that bred and raised the sheep that would be slaughtered in the temple. And they were the ones that received the news that the Lamb of God had been born in the house of bread. Bread of life, the Messiah, Jesus. And it happened, according to Luke chapter 2, in those days. What kind of days? It sounds kind of generic. Those days were days that the culture and the world was thirsting for a Savior. Those days were driven by greed. Chaos was everywhere. Government overreach. Sound familiar? We live in a day that is thirsting for a Savior. 
And we need to be reminded that in many ways, you and I are living in those days. In these days, listen, God was not only working behind the scenes for Mary and Joseph. God is working behind the scenes in your life and in my life. And when you can't see the whole scene, are you willing to trust that God's got a plan that's so much bigger than your scene, than what you can see? Because I know it's easy to get so caught up in what all the details are right in front of your eyes, but there's a whole bigger picture that if you'll trust him in the moment, listen, God promises, if you'll trust him, He will position you just like he did Mary and Joseph so that you will be exactly where you need to be right when you need to be there for events as yet unseen. So since you can't see the whole scene, trust God behind the scenes. Number two, write this down. Hope this will be encouragement to you. The good news can overpower the worst news. Come on, I'll say it again. The good news can overpower the worst news. It was, uh, this was a terrifying moment, by the way, for the shepherds. Let me read this. Uh, Luke chapter 8, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear, obviously. A glowing dude just showed up in the field. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you, not just Mary and Joseph, but unto you, a dirty shepherd is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom, with whom he is pleased. It's interesting in verse 9 that it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, I don't know which translation you're reading, but when it says that they were filled with great fear, depending on your translation, it might say they were greatly afraid or terribly frightened or terrified. You get, you get the idea. This was a frightening situation. And I wonder how many people, their lives currently are defined by verse 9, filled with great fear. And I hope that this just thought would, would really encourage you today. Like I already said, that the good news can overpower the worst news. Because this was a terrifying moment to these, to these shepherds. In one moment, it went from them with the sheep to them with an angel. I scared him. Frightened, terrified. Suddenly, there's a guy, there's a messenger. He's lighting up the night. And suddenly, in the moment, they're afraid and yet told not to be afraid. I mean, just just imagine how terrifying this moment would have been for these shepherds. 
parents who have been woken up by little staring eyes in the middle of the night, come on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How frightening is this? You're, you're deep asleep and you're just like, oh, oh, hi, what do you need? What do you need? What is it? And why is it that in the middle of the night they always look like the children of the corn, right? Like teddy bear? Long nightgown, straggly hair. What is this, The Shining? How is this? It's terrifying. They just appeared. And here's the, here's the angel. Now, what I lo- listen, what I love about the angel, this angel is not Jesus. He's announcing Jesus' birth, but he sounds a lot like Jesus. He says, don't fear. 33 years later, Jesus would show up many times to very frightening situations, and he would say, fear not, I'm with you. He showed up to the, to the disciples when they were locked for fear in the upper room, afraid of the Jews, and he came through the locked door, however he pulled that trick off, and he said, peace. This is the Savior that we serve. He, he showed up and he speaks Fear not. This is a very common command that Jesus would give. And I I love that the announcement of his birth struck fear in the heart of fear. Fear had to run because the Prince of Peace had been born. And so here the, 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 the angel announces this. And he tells him not to be afraid. And I guess the question that came to my mind is how can they show up and frighten the shepherds and tell them not to be afraid? Well, if you keep reading, you, you see the reason that the, the angel says this. He says, fear not, for behold. In other words, fear not. And here's why. Because I'm bringing you good news of great joy. Do you know that phrase, good news, right here that we just read in verse 10? is the same Greek root word of the word that we use all the time, gospel. It's the same word. The angel might as well have said, fear not, I'm here to tell you the gospel. What's the gospel? What's the good news? The good news is that Christmas is the ultimate story of the gospel. That our God did not just stay seated on a golden throne surrounded by angels disconnected from us and bark orders at us and tell us what to do, but he said, it's time for me to go be with them. And he left the comfort of heaven and he wrapped himself in skin and he started as a baby and he lived our life and he died our death. So that he could reconcile the sinful man to the holy God. That's the gospel. So why would the angels show up and say don't fear? Because the best news is here. Because the the worst news that you'll ever receive will always be overpowered by the gospel. Now listen, I'm not saying that the gospel removes pain from life. That's also part of the human existence. But the gospel gives perspective and purpose to your pain. And so no matter what the news is that you've received this year, deep loss, a diagnosis, a failing marriage, listen, you've got the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that there's hope for eternity. So no matter what fails on earth, Jesus never fails. No matter what you get robbed of on this earth, the devil can't touch your peace. Come on. That's good news. 
gospel gives us perspective. We need a new lens. We need to be able to look at it in a different way. Here's a third thought for you. The peace of God only comes through peace with God. I think there's some tension we need to embrace in this text. Um, Verse 10, the angel showed up and said that this is good news. This will be good news for all the people, for everybody. But then if you keep reading in verse 14, the other angels show up and they're singing about, they're, they're talking about peace for those who God is pleased with. So it seems to mention in the same text that God loves everybody, but only some have peace. Like there's good news for everybody, but then there's only some who encounter God's peace. There's a, a tension here that we need to embrace here because this is a reality. Now listen, God loves everybody. The good news is for all people. However, you will only experience God's peace when you are at peace with God. The good news is for all, but only those who love God and know God can ever fully experience the peace of God. So both are true. The good news is for all people, but only some people will embrace the real peace of God that can only be encountered through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Both are true. They're not conflicting. And so I also think it's, it's probably wise for us to clarify that when I talk about God's peace, I'm not talking about happiness. Jesus did not come to make your life happy. I mean, let me clarify. There's going to be plenty of churches, by the way, preachers who will try to tell you that, it's, that that's what life is all about, trying to just live, your, live your, your life and have a lot of happiness. And listen, that's not why Jesus came. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't want you to live a good life. What I'm saying is that's not his primary goal. His primary goal is not to show up and make you happy. His primary goal was to show up and bring you peace And only that can happen from a sinful man to a holy God when we're reconciled through the death of Jesus Christ. That's the the only hope. That's our only hope. And so, see, happiness, happiness and peace are different because happiness is based on what's happening. This is why happiness can be destroyed and stolen so quickly. If I'm happy because I have a lot of money and then the economy fails, I'm unhappy, right? If I'm happy because I have a lot of stuff, but I went into major debt to get there and it all gets stolen, then I'm unhappy because I don't have it anymore. But listen, when I have peace, the devil can't touch peace. No robber can break into your house and steal your peace. Peace is soul level. It's lasting. It's enduring. No matter what comes your way, it's the peace of God. It surpasses understanding. Jesus didn't come to make us happy. He came to bring us peace. And so, you know, the reality is that we'll always be missing peace in our lives until we know the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And I'm not talking about just knowing about God. I'm talking about like knowing God, a relationship with him. And you know how I think that happens is 
we personalize the gospel. Because it's easy for us to say, you know, John 3.16, God so loved the world, which is true. Without, it's easy for us to say that without personalizing that truth. But, but I, I just, I'm so thankful that the angel showed up to the dirty shepherds, which by the way, I'm not dissing on shepherds. Back in the day, you didn't want to be a shepherd. These were the outcasts of society. They couldn't do all the ritual cleansing because they were out with the sheep. So nobody, none of the Jews wanted to have anything to do with the the dirty shepherds. How significant is it that the Savior who came for all mankind didn't go to King Herod or the wealthiest people? He sent the angels to the dirty shepherds and said, I've got good news for you. Listen, he didn't say that, the, that, that Jesus unto, unto the world has been born. He said, unto you has been born a Savior who is Christ the King. Well, what would it do to us if we personalize the gospel? Unto Alex has been born a Savior. Unto Josh. Unto Mark has been born a Savior. Unto Kiara has been born a Savior. Unto Amanda, born a Savior. Unto Christian, has been born a Savior. Unto Alicia. Unto Jason and Teresa. Unto me. has been born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so no matter what comes my way, I've got the good news. And no matter how life blindsides me, I've got the good news. I need need that to be confident, right? Because life's going to blindside you. We got blindsided the other day by a deer, actually. (laughs) I almost made it my whole time in Tennessee without killing a deer with my car. And it finally happened. I want to be clear. I did not hit the deer. The deer hit me. (laughs) I promise. Ask anybody in my family that was in that car. It was traumatic for all of us. We saw it get hit again. A lady who was at the scene then got out of her car and called me a deer murderer. This really happened. This really happened. And I was like, I better get in the car right now before I say, a pastor should not be saying what I want to say right now. Everybody in the car, we're out of here. Doesn't that feel like 2020 just blindsided like that deer, you know? Like I didn't see that coming. But, but that's life, right? It's not just this year. This year feels like it because it's fresh and we're in it. But let, let's think back on decades. And there have been so many, too many to list, things that you never saw coming that blindsided you. And so 2020 has kind of unfortunately turned into like its own curse word, you know? Like, man, that's so 2020. Man, it's going to get all 2020 up in here, you know? I just don't, 
I just don't think that an eternal perspective allows us to call something bad because it made me uncomfortable. I think when I have an eternal perspective on something, I'm able to look at something that, sure, was uncomfortable and painful and I I didn't like, but be able to kind of zoom out and say, I think I know God's somehow working behind the scenes. I, I need a new lens. I don't know about you. I need a new lens for 2020. I need a new lens for my life. That I can just get to the place where I don't just rule stuff out as bad because I didn't like it. Right? Like, hating 2020 is expected. Listen, church, followers of Jesus, worshiping in the middle of 2020 is a rebellion against the status quo. No, listen, I, I, whatever, throw it at me, but my God's at work, and I've got the best news that will overpower the worst news. You, come on, bring it, bring it on, devil. You can't touch my peace. You can't take it away. Rob me of what you need to rob me of, but you can't touch Jesus. And if the devil touches me, Jesus let him touch me. So he's got a purpose for it. Unto you. A child is born. His name is Jesus. And listen, if your life is lacking peace, that's on you. Because he's here. He's made himself available. Jesus is peace. And if you need peace, I believe God brought you here today so that I could introduce you to him. His name's not Kevin. And his name's not Awakened Church. His name's Jesus. And that's the name above every name that we're here to exalt, to lift up. If you forget everybody else's name, you remember Jesus, that's what matters. This is his church. And so because of that, I, I just, I, I fully believe that those who are joining us online are here for a purpose. You, you click the link, your, your family you know, told you, invited you to join wherever you're from. I know we got a lot of uh, deployed soldiers who watch online. I love that. People from around the world write in and tell us about the way the message spoke to them. I believe you're watching this for a purpose. You're here in the social side. I know it's not the most comfortable. Believe me, it's coming in the next few weeks. We should be uh, under one roof together. But you're here on purpose, for this purpose. If you're here in the North Venue with me, It's not an accident that you're here today. I believe in a similar way to how God was arranging things for Mary and Joseph to get them to Bethlehem, God arranged some things in your life to get you here today. Because your life maybe is missing peace, and I'm just here, I just, my job today was real simple. Hey, Kevin, introduce them to peace. All right, let me tell you about Jesus. It's the gospel. And the good news will overpower the best news. So if you need Jesus, if you don't have a saving relationship with him, this is your moment. God's brought you here for this. You're watching this message for this moment right here. And so I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus.
to say, listen, I don't, I don't have it all figured out, and I still have some questions, but that's what I need. He's available. He's ready. The God that left heaven to become one of us and die in our place, he's got arms wide open, ready to embrace you right now. No matter what you've been through, no matter how far you've run, he's got you. Would you come to him? Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.